0: You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on relevant radio 950 a.m. and 930 a.m. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review.
1: Good morning. I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's radio TV office, and I'm happy to be with you today. Every Saturday, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. We begin today with a highlight from our Catholic Conference of Illinois program hosted by Bob Gilligan. Bob had the pleasure of speaking with Bishop-elect Lou Tilka, who last week was appointed to the Diocese of Peoria. Let's take a listen. Boy,
2: lot's changed since the last time we had spoken, huh? <laughs> you could <laughs> say that. <laughs> so congratulations. Uh, you are you. Uh, Bishop-elect of the Diocese of Puria. and uh, un- unfortunately, uh, Bishop Jenke is uh, going to be retiring, I guess, uh, is that the word? Uh yes. He's been there, f- oh, wow, why did not he come, 19... Uh, 19- 2002. 2002, so it's been quite a run for him, and... He I don't think it's any secret. He's had some health challenges recently yes. and um boy he could sure use uh some assistance in that diocese. It's a large diocese. So uh so you've been tapped to be the next uh, bishop of the diocese of of of, of Peoria. How, how does it feel? Well,
3: I, the the line that I've been using with folks is is that uh You know, the saying in Chicago is, give it five minutes and the weather changes. uh, (laughs) I I kind of feel that same way, because uh, at at one moment I'm I'm thrilled and I'm excited, uh, and I'm humbled by the the calling of Pope Francis and the Church. Uh, The next minute, uh, as I'm beginning to realize how my life is changing and the responsibilities I'll have, uh, I get quite anxious and nervous yeah, and uh, yeah. even scared a bit. So sure. it's, it's kind of a, a roller coaster. <laughs> that's probably
2: a good feeling. You know, they, they say like, you know, in sporting events, it's good to be a little nervous or before yeah. going out public speaking. You, you, I think it's that's that's probably good. That's probably the sign of Holy Spirit yeah. saying uh, be, beware.
3: So I, I always ask my couples uh, when just before the wedding, I always ask them if they're nervous. And I tell them that if they're not nervous, then I'm nervous. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. their life is going to change, but for the better. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's exactly right. I think, uh, yeah, I we, we went through something very similar when we got married uh yeah, I, I think my wife was asked are, when we got to the altar, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> too late to back out then. Um, so, by the way, uh, I mentioned at the outset, I don't know if you heard it, but uh, May 18th is an important day. Yeah. Um, yes. It's the, I, I think uh, Pope uh, John Paul II, St. John Paul II, would have been 100 today. I know it's his birthday, because sis- I have a sister who has a birthday today, so I've always known it was Pope John Paul II's birthday. But it's also your uh, special day for you, too, as well. You ordained this date, correct? Correct.
3: Uh, I, I was 24 Good. years ago. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: 1996, right? Is yeah. that right? So yeah. congratulations on your on Thank your you. ordination. And other. So I always am interested in, in hearing this um, story because I, I think many of us uh, are interested in so I think you got the phone call in, in May, right? May 4th, is that right? Some time in May. So like you're you're what? You're brushing your teeth, you're eating breakfast, or you're out for a run. And so <laughs> tell us about like what you're doing and, and how you got the phone call. Uh,
3: so quite literally, two weeks ago today, uh, it was May 4th. Um, I had uh, uh, just come into the office. Um, I have uh, had a... A video conference set up with uh, my senior leadership team in the parish uh, for nine o'clock, and so uh, it was about uh, um, eight thirty, and I had just come into the office. I went and made a cup of coffee, uh, was turning on the computer. My cell phone I had set on the on mm-hmm. my desk when it rang. Uh, to be honest, I looked at it and I saw it was a number. It said Washington D.C., and I thought it was another call telling me that my uh, a warranty of my car was expired and <laughs> and uh uh but something inside said pick it up and so I sure. answered the phone and uh it was the uh Papal Nuncio, Archbishop wow. Christophe Pierre. Yeah. And uh it was it was uh, he, apparently he tries to make small talk before he gets into the heat the the meat of the, the mm-hmm. subject. So uh he started by asking how my health was, especially in this time of uh sure uh, the pandemic going on. Uh, and then he, uh,
2: dropped the news. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it wasn't the Buick dealer of wanting to know if your warranty was up. Uh, exactly. And exactly. so you, you put down the phone and then what do you do? You probably look in the mirror and go, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah wow. I, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. That's I, an interesting, yeah. Cause one minute your, your, your life is just totally up, up changed. It's, it's totally different.
3: Yeah, I, I was sitting there taking a few deep breaths, thinking, do I really need to run to the bathroom and throw up? Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, do you pop up with the champagne cork or run? Who knows? Know. Yeah, what? yeah. So so tell us a little bit about um, um, now Father Tilka, Bishop-elect Tilka. So you're in, in Tinley Park now, but you've been, a, you've been in a number of parishes through the diocese. Yeah. And, and tell us about your kind of the, what you've been doing since uh, May 18th of 1996. You've been in a number of parishes.
3: I have. I was very blessed to uh, start out at uh, St. Michael Parish in Orland Park, which is not too far from where I'm currently Mm -hmm. in, and uh, had wonderful seven years uh, at that parish, which is a little longer than uh, most associates do. Um, But uh, towards the end of my tenure uh, there, uh, there was uh, a lot of talk of uh, possibly becoming a pastor at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a also the possibility of thinking of maybe doing a different ministry at that time, and those things didn't pan out in in the moment, and so I ended up staying essentially an extra two years as an associate there at St. Mike's before um, moving on. Uh, I then went uh, all the way north uh, to the other side of the diocese. I was at Saints Faith, Hope, and Charity in Mm -hmm. Winnetka, Mm -hmm. Um, and I I never fully got to unpack. I, I was there for just under a year, Uh, before that call to become a pastor was made to me. So um, it was, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I I kind of anticipated that I was going to be there um, a short time. I didn't think it would be less than a year, uh, but um, I I didn't expect to be there again five or seven years, which would have been uh, a normal course. So um, I was up north uh, in a whole different part of the world for me and uh, spent... Like I said, just under a year there when I was called to be pastor of Mater Christi in North Riverside, which mm. uh, my joke there was always mm. uh, because people would say, well, where is that? And I would always say, do you know where Brookfield Zoo mm-hmm. is? <laughs> and uh, sure. they'd say yes. And I'd say, well, do you know where Loyola Hospital is? And they'd say yes. And I'd say, well, I'm halfway between yeah. the Jesuits and the monkeys, but I don't <laughs> know which is which. That's right.
2: I'm sure the Jesuits appreciated that one. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah.
3: Of course, now we have a Jesuit Pope, so I can't use that joke anymore. Yeah, right. Good point. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I had ten wonderful years in that that, that great little parish uh, uh, in the Near West suburbs, um, and uh, then was called to come to St. Julie um, oh, okay. after ten years there, and I've been here uh, six years. <laughs>
4: Bishop,
2: what what drew you to the priesthood originally? um You went to Purdue for a while, but came back here mm-hmm. to Chicago. And what yeah. was it that 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 where? How did you get your vocation? Where do you think it came from?
3: You know, I, my, I grew up. I was the only one uh, in my family who was blessed to go to Catholic school all mm. of my years. Mm. Um, my parents, when I was a, a toddler, uh, had bought a new house, and, and at that point. Uh, couldn't afford to continue with my sisters going to the Catholic school, so uh, my sisters all went to the public school, uh, but there's a, a five-year gap between my youngest sister and I, so uh, by the time that uh, I was of age to go to school, my parents felt it was uh, possible and feasible and a good thing to send me to the Catholic school, so I was uh, uh, part part of St. Joseph's School for my um, young years, and then I went on to Marion Catholic High School, um, I got involved in the youth group at the prompting of my mother. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I met a, a, a great uh, deal of good people and good priests, and they just uh kind of yeah. started to plant the seeds. Good. And uh, um, once I really started to get thinking about pre- being a priest, it was hard to get that notion out of my head,
2: so I just got um, in.
3: and uh, eventually, um. Uh, I had done one year of studies at Purdue, and uh, after uh, my mother became ill, I I actually did an in-school transfer to to take classes at uh, the Purdue Calumet campus Mm -hmm. uh, so that I could be with my mom uh, as she was uh, battling her cancer, and determined that if I was really serious about this priesthood thing, I should... uh, Probably not go back to Purdue, but go to some place that would help me to discern that, which is why I transferred into the college seminary. But I would say my vocation came from my family. I would say it came from celebrating Mass. I mean, I, I, Mass has uh, been such a central part of my my life. Uh, I, I will often say that I found my vocation at Mass. Um, you know, and and I always knew that I wanted to do something to that would would be about helping people. Uh, but what that something was, it took me some time to discern that it was the
2: priesthood. Well, you're helping thousands of people now. Um, that that that's a great story. So it was just basically the mass. See, that's why that is yep. so important. So tell yep. us a little about Peoria. I, I, have, do you, have you been down there yet, or is it still too early to to go down there? Um, I'm I'm sure you're not very familiar with the with the diocese, but I'm sure you're learning quickly.
3: I, I am learning quickly. Um, I, I unfortunately have not been able to get down there yet. Um, it is my hope that uh, um, in the next uh, two weeks that I'll get down there, either the end of next week, the end of May, or the first week of June, um, for at least a day to visit and uh, pray with Bishop Janke and visit right. the cathedral. Uh, so that's the plan, is to get down there uh, sometime in the next two weeks. Um, Good. But I am learning a lot. They, they've they uh, sent me some information, including, you know, that the bishops of Illinois Just had their ad limina visits with the holy father Mm -hmm. and so uh they have a nice new report that was submitted to the holy father last uh uh december so they sent me a copy of it
2: (laughs) yeah it's 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 a very rural diocese too which will be somewhat different for you i guess in that regard Mm -hmm. uh some of the issues that they deal with but uh the the city of peoria is i mean it's a it's a very catholic area and the church is is revered there and uh I I think it'll be an interesting fit for you. It's 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 a good community of of people. Like I said, you know, Mm -hmm. a little rural suburban. But um, I I, church is very important. I think to many of them. My experience with Denham has been, and I'm not intimately familiar with it either. But a couple times I've been there, um, for talks or presentations. And the cathedral is beautiful. It's a beautiful cathedral in downtown Peoria. See what is that old motto? If it doesn't play in Peoria, right? Now now here (laughs) you are in Peoria. (laughs) Uh, One final question or two. Um, so you'll have a Episcopal motto is. Is, is that still under development I guess it's still too new to think about those sort of things
3: well you're, you're kind of pushed to think about those things very quickly um, and uh, I, I um, there's there one one piece of scripture that uh, has always been important to me uh, has been um, from the Prophet Micah mm-hmm. uh, what does God ask of us but to act justly love tenderly and walk humbly with your God but I mm-hmm. realized when you look at an Episcopal motto, that's a, a little bit too long. <laughs> <laughs>
5: right.
3: So uh, I've been been praying a lot about that, and uh, I, I have, I'm I settling on, I believe, uh, uh, I'm 99% sure my Episcopal motto is going to be the Great Commission, Go Make Disciples.
2: That's a good. That's a great. Uh, that's what we're all called to do, anyway. So exactly, they reinforce exactly. that. Um, Father Tilka, Bishop-elect. It's a mouthful. Uh, thanks so much for taking <laughs> some time to join us this morning. Congratulations. Uh, we look forward to working with you and seeing you in the future. And uh, I think the the Diocese of Peoria is very fortunate and very lucky. So uh, God bless and uh, good luck in all your uh, your future work in the in the Diocese. Thank you,
3: Bob. Keep Thank- up your good work.
1: The Archdiocese of Chicago's loss is the Diocese of Peoria's gain. We will miss Bishop-elect Tilka and wish him all the best. Later in the same program, Bob talked to the producer of the film Blind Eyes Opened. Let's listen in. We have
2: with us a very interesting guest who has produced a very interesting film. His name is Jeff Rogers. He has produced a film called Blind Eyes Opened, and um, it's now on Amazon Prime. And I'd strongly recommend if you have a chance, uh, if you're home, uh, to take a look at at this film, if you have Amazon Prime, which I know many people do. It's about uh, the scourge of human
6: trafficking. Uh, Jeff, are you with us? Yes, Bob. Thank hey. you so much for having me on the program. Yeah. I really appreciate it. No,
2: thank you. Thanks for taking some time this morning. Um, we have about 10 minutes. Um, Jeff, tell us a little bit about uh, what Blind Eyes Opened is. By the way, I've seen the movie. Um, I ha- was fortunate enough to, to look at it probably, uh, I don't know, about two months ago. It's very well done. Um, and it's, 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 it's at times hard to watch because of the subject matter, but it's treated very well. Jeff, tell us about the film and what led you, what led you to this work. It's an interesting story.
6: Sure. Well, I appreciate your comments about the film, and uh, again, thanks for allowing us to talk about it. So my wife and I founded the Ships of Tarshish, which is the ministry that produced Blind Eyes Open. We founded the organization with our board of directors in 2011, and about seven years ago we started this project. We started to learn about the truth of sex trafficking here in America, uh, many people who are aware of this thing called sex trafficking still think it's an issue over there or overseas. And so, our our mission with this film has been to highlight and expose the truth of sex trafficking that's occurring here inside the United States. And the call the the, the film is really a calling to the Church and to Christians around the country. We consider this to be a Christian documentary, and what we mean by that is really the the way that the story is told. It's, first of all, it's fitting and suitable for a Christian audience. It's very important for us to uh, mm-hmm. to, to produce the film in this way. And then it really tells the truth of what's happening and is a calling to get Christians and churches involved and engaged in this fight to help stop this scourge. And the film is put together with over 40 people. There's over 40 interviews in the documentary, six of which are survivors from here in the United States, six very courageous women who were victims of sex trafficking when they were younger and who have been just radically transformed by Jesus Christ and now telling their story about the truth of what happened to them. And, and so the film really does listen through their mouthpieces the truth of what's happening in all of our neighborhoods across this country today.
2: I think one of the things that struck me is, is one thing you said is that I do think there's still a perception and, and I even kind of have this myself. And I'm not sure why is that th- these are people brought in from overseas from, from third world countries. And that does happen. I don't mean to diminish that at all, but the people that you profile in the film, I, I think what I was struck with most is, wow, this could happen to almost anybody. And and their stories are so interesting in that you can see that um, it doesn't take much for one sort of mishap in life or a bit of bad luck or what have you to lead to something else, to something else. And before you know it, you're in a situation that, it's very difficult to get out of. And by the grace of God, all these women that you profile do, and they're very um, articulate and passionate about their story. But it is it is something that I think that we should be cognizant of, is that this is just not something that can happen to, oh, it, it's never going to happen to anybody I know or my world. But the fact of the matter is it, it could.
6: Well, that's absolutely true, and something we all need to be aware of as parents and Grandparents and teachers and healthcare workers, etc. So, what we really don't understand is we're coming across these people all of the time, and so yeah. and it's mm-hmm. not really a matter to instill fear, but just really a matter of education and awareness. So, we would put the number at well over 100,000 children in America are trafficked for sex every single day here inside of our own borders. These are American-born kids. Uh, the The estimates are maybe 60 to 70 percent of children that are trafficked in America today come out of the foster care system. Uh, Other stats says that around 36% of those children are boys, and that's a topic that very few people even are aware of is that boys are trafficked too. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it is the truth that we've really got to get a hold of, and be aware of if we're going to take steps to actually make a difference and stop this from happening.
2: Yeah, um, you like you said that the, the film took a number of years to produce. I think it was far longer than you had originally projected. So these things are never easy to do, but the product is is worth viewing. Um, what is so I know you've been trying to get it into uh, church audiences. Which has been is right now is a little difficult because of what's going on with the pandemic and all that. So at some point in time, we hope that will resume. So Amazon Prime has it, and that's really nice to see. How were you able to get that out to Amazon Prime?
6: Well, we just engaged with Amazon. The <laughs> process is actually not that difficult. So we we released it on Amazon Prime about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, the the film was actually released in over 500 theaters, mainstream theaters nationwide, on January 23rd as a Fathom event. And then immediately following that was released through Fathom's Faith Content Network, and that's when a number Mm -hmm. of churches across the country began to show the film in their churches. But obviously with the pandemic, that has, as you said, that has ceased. So what we do have coming next is um, we have DVDs that are on the way. No release date yet, but very soon they'll be released. And as soon as the DVDs are released, we're going to then be releasing a public performance license that churches can then engage with so they can show and and really have a screening of the film in their churches. And so obviously as churches begin to open back up following the pandemic, these will start to get on board. And that's really, like I said at the beginning of this, is it it is the calling to the church. And so it's asking churches to step up yeah. and get involved in this topic. And one of the best ways that we know how to get people aware of this topic is to show this film.
2: And I do think there's an interest out there in this topic. I, I do, I, I've participated in some... Um, uh, forums at, at parishes in the past and in, in the Chicagoland area. And and I can remember one in particular it was in January. It was like a Sunday and it was really, the weather was miserable. And I remember thinking, no one's going to come to this thing. <laughs> it was like at four o'clock and I think, you know, it was a playoff time for football or something. And and I was really surprised the number of people who came to this forum and how interested people were in this very same, in the very same topic. And and it was, the community was well engaged. I mean, it was a well publicized event, but I, I do think that um, um, it's the type of thing that, in particularly, I, I make a comment or two about how it's the Church's obligation to step forward on this. I think the Church has a unique role here.
6: Well, I definitely agree with that. First of all, we feel that these kids that I mentioned are, are really the modern-day orphans, and obviously mm-hmm. the Word of God calls us to take care of the orphans. And so we do believe it is the Church's responsibility to engage in this, to not only raise awareness, but also identify and support local organizations within the community that are either running safe homes or have outreach to identify victims or uh, doing a number of things to help stop this within the community, so that's critically important, and uh, definitely a calling of the Church to engage in this.
2: Um, The organization is called Ships of Tarsus, and that's the organization that produced the film?
6: That's correct. So, uh, like I said, it's a ministry that my wife, Carrie, and I founded in 2011. Um, The the website that people can go to to learn more about the film today is blindeyesopened.com. So they can also Google the Ships of Tarshish Ministry, but uh, the easiest way to find out more about the film is blindeyesopened.com, and and there all of the latest information, the trailer can be seen there. Uh, We still have information up for churches to engage. Uh, links to Amazon there, and also when DVDs become available, they'll be for sale through that website as well. So that's really the, the main hub for people to find out more about the film.
2: Like I said, it's a terrific film. I highly encourage people to take a look at it. Um, I think it's one of these topics that, uh, especially in the church community, I find people have an interest in this topic, and I think this film takes that to the next level. And there's also a little bit of instructions about what to do. Isn't there in enough the, in the dialogue at the end?
6: Oh, absolutely. It's how to get engaged in this in different ways that people can. I tell you, another thing that churches can do is to help with the foster care system. Like I said, 60 to 70 percent of the kids that are trafficked come out of foster care, and so it's really an obligation to engage with these kids, obviously, before they become trafficked as well, and to reduce the risks of, of them being trafficked in the first place.
2: Jeff, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. Once again, the website is uh, blindeyesopened.com. Yes, sir. Blindeyesopened.com. Look for it. Um, that's the website. And
1: please look for it as well on Amazon Prime. Our thanks to Bob and all his guests for those insightful conversations. This week on Voice of Charity, co-hosts Marie Jokum and Bridget Murphy welcome the very special guest to the program, my boss, Jim Dish, here's some highlights.
7: Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. We're here talking with our friend and um, inspiration, Jim Dish, the director of the Office of Radio and Television for the Archdiocese of Chicago. Jim is
8: retiring soon, and we're going to ask him a few questions about his work with the Archdiocese. But since he'll be spending more time with family, we presume, <laughs> Jim, if they'll have you. If they'll uh, have me,
9: right? Yes. Right, right.
8: Tell us a little bit about uh, who who you're going to be spending time with and how you're going to be spending your time.
9: Uh, well, uh, my lovely wife, uh, Pat, I actually met her at Wright College, and then she went off to Northern Illinois University And then uh, later, DePaul. I went to Northwestern University. And, uh, you know, as fate would have it, two, three years after we had met at uh, uh, Wright College, we get back together again, get married. And uh, last year, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary.
8: Congratulations. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing.
9: Along the way, we had four children. Uh, but the interesting part about that is that on uh, June thirteenth, nineteen seventy-five, uh, we had our first three kids: Kimberly, Kevin, and Sean. <laughs> so,
7: what? whoa, triplets!
9: You didn't know that, did you? No.
7: Congrat—I mean, congratulations! That was a long time ago, but that's so—that's incredible, triplets, man. That must have been a fun couple of years. Them growing up.
9: Oh, it was very exciting. I, I, we, we've actually got a photograph of uh, twenty-four formula bottles uh... in the refrigerator <laughs> yep, i didn't finish side-by-side side with a box of wine <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah the only way you can deal with those twenty four bottles of formula is that box of wine that's all awesome. there you God. go
9: <laughs> and then three years later we had uh... steven so that completed the uh... group but uh... uh... they're all up and married now uh, we've got four grandkids and uh, life is good
7: incredible, oh my incredible! well that that sounds incredibly rewarding that family of yours What what else can you tell us about your work at the archdiocese and how how rewarding that has been?
9: Oh, it's been tremendously uh, rewarding, Uh, and uh, I'm on a Catholic Charities program. So, uh, just the fact that we can do video stories that tell the positive things that are going on in the uh, church—it's just—it's a—it's a fabulous gig and. The work you guys do at Catholic Charities, this way we really like to do the Catholic Charity uh, uh, story, type of story, uh, really, really works well in what we do. Uh, it, it, examples, we were at the Peace Corner Youth Center. Oh, right. uh, and uh, the, the work they do with youth in the neighborhood, just absolutely terrific. Of course, we're at the Father Augustus Tolton Peace Center uh, dedication uh the dedication of the shower laundry facility at your uh main offices and um gosh i'm just trying to think the
7: centennial up. you helped us celebrate our centennial in style as well
9: the centennial of the super stadium challenge yep. a couple of years yep. ago with all the food raised and stuff like that so yeah just a lot of really cool stories and uh Of course, now it just we're going through a very strange time, obviously, uh, kind of a frightening time, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, But uh, working with – I've got a couple of really, really uh, smart people I work with and very good on the technical end and the production end, uh, Brian Brock and Michael May and uh, Javier Garcia also. And we've been able to team up and figure out a way of uh, making sure – that the uh, Chicago Catholics have masses that they can attend every day, even uh, during the time of the pandemic. So uh, as a matter of fact, today a couple of uh, the guys are going to be going up to St. James Chapel. They will do the 10 o'clock mass live. It'll be online for everybody to watch, and they'll record masses for Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, On Friday we come in here. We do the uh, mass live out of St. James Chapel at 10 in the morning. We record one. Uh, uh, following that, that would be for Monday, and then head over to Holy Name Cathedral, where we do three Sunday Masses, one in English, one in Spanish, and one in Polish. Wow! And uh, those are all online. Uh, By the time we get into work on Monday, uh, you know, we we could have uh, 20,000 views just uh, on our YouTube channel. Yeah. And that's not mentioning, you know, Facebook or what TV stations are doing. And uh, ABC Seven has been wonderful in picking up our English mass and televising that at nine thirty every Sunday morning. Uh, Univision at ten o'clock in the morning televises the Spanish language mass, and Polvision at nine in the morning and three in the afternoon uh, carries the Polish language mass. So it's just been a, a really nice cooperation with the TV stations in town and the online views is, is it's, it's just tremendous
8: well what an invaluable service you're providing an essential service mm-hmm. really in terms of keeping people connected to their faith community and their faith leaders and the gospel and that's that's really terrific Where do you see television and radio broadcasting headed in terms of how it can continue to grow the church or grow our spirituality or even grow our, corporal works of mercy
9: it's interesting uh that in a time where uh we're forced to stay indoors we're for, we're forced to social distance uh you cannot you cannot yet uh, go to a large worship service um that we're, we're being forced into more social media. And a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about over the last five, six, maybe 10 years, reaching out to young people using more social media, uh, the church is being pushed in that direction right now. Mm-hmm. So not just masses are going online, but ministries are going online. There's a tremendous outreach that I think in the long run will benefit the church. And that's not to say that we don't want to get back into the worship spaces. Obviously, we do. But uh I think the various ministries, Catholic charities, um, uh, everybody's doing a really nice job. Our schools mm-hmm. uh, do a, t- a tremendous job keeping education going online. Uh, but this is kind of pushing us in the direction, uh, probably a direction that was needed.
7: Jim, you know, I think what you've highlighted really speaks about your career, right? The ability to jump in and be creative and use your gifts really um in all across all spectrums that you've been in. And, and we just want to thank you for your generosity of spirit and using, um, being able to partner with you with Catholic Charities, television and radio broadcast initiatives over the years. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts on behalf of everyone that we serve. You've really been instrumental in getting our story out there, and we're grateful. Well, so- thank you very much. Keep up the good work. <laughs> yeah
1: you can hear Jim tell a lot more stories like that on this week's Voice of Charity program, go to anchor.fm slash Chicago to find all of our Catholic Chicago programs and to sign up for our podcast. Stick around. After a short break, we will hear some highlights from On the Way and Mission Matters. We'll be right back.
7: Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
0: You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. On Wednesday's On The Way program, host Beth White spent time focusing on how our parishes and archdiocese are reaching outward in love during the pandemic. Let's listen in.
4: Mike McKenzie is our Director of Internal Communications for the Archdiocese of Chicago. So Mike has been a busy, very busy person um, in these last two and a half months of trying to communicate internally. So um, Mike... Um, How about you share with our listeners a little bit about your role and what it is in the diocese?
10: Sure. Thanks for having me.
4: Absolutely.
10: So the Director of Internal Communications' role or function at the Archdiocese is still relatively new. Um, You know, it's been about two and a half years almost for me, and in the life of the Church, that's still pretty nascent. (laughs) Um, But I try to help ensure that our nearly... 15,000-strong internal audience of all clergy, employees at parishes, schools, agencies, and our pastoral center have the information that they need to do their jobs, their ministries, uh, have opportunities to communicate effectively and efficiently up and down the chain, so to speak, and with each other. So that's one aspect of my role, is kind of creating the tools and the processes so that we can just get on the same page and communicate more effectively as one big family in the archdiocese. Secondly, I support our Renew My Church uh, journey and the communication efforts there, and then as you pointed out, uh, the past two months I've been spending a lot of time on communications related to the Church's response to the pandemic and our now-emerging reopening efforts in the Archdiocese.
4: So, great. Thank you for saying that. So I I imagine during this time—I know as a staff member um, for the Archdiocese, I do receive weekly updates and different forms of communications. And I imagine that during this time, um, as a communications professional, it's absolutely critical for people to have content and have information um, in a timely manner, right? So how have things sort of changed for um, life during this time of a pandemic?
10: Yeah, it's, um, it's sped up in many regards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the job of an internal communicator is uh, a little bit art and science. Um, the art of it is trying to balance how much and when, because uh, any employee in any organization uh, is always on the receiving end of a lot of information. Nice. How much, when should they get it, who is the right sender. Um, you know, those are all decisions that we have to make regularly. When you're in a crisis, though, You know that more frequent communication, uh, clarity of message, simplicity of message is even more important because the employee is not just receiving communications from the employer. Uh, They're receiving information from family, from friends, from news, the 24-hour news cycle, whatever they're kind of plugged into. So there is a lot to cut through and help employees stay focused on what they need to do, their job and their ministry. So definitely a change is frequency. We've increased the frequency of communication, but I think we've done a a good job of maybe honing it and making sure it's much more focused and then directing them to an online resource where they can go and get more information when they're ready. So give them kind of the primer and then direct them to our intranet where they can go and get additional details when it's convenient for them and when they've got the time to absorb it. So that's a big piece right there.
4: So we have the intranet, which is gives the uh, priests guidelines. And by the way, to our listeners, um, Mike just got that uh, sort of launched in the fall. Is that right, Mike? Yeah, sort it was of...
10: back in September.
4: <laughs> so timeliness, perfect timing to have right. that all in place. Um, so there's that piece where you're communicating, but you're also working to help um, with the overall communications team to get stuff on our website and things like that, Right.
10: Yeah, it's a, it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. It's a total team effort. We've got uh, internal communications, which makes sure that our clergy and our staff members have what they need, and that is as I'm getting information from them, working with our external communication partners, those who are in public relations, social media, media relations, share the information with the public and with parishioners through our other channels as well. So it's a total team effort, and uh, a lot of, of folks are in the same direction, but it's, uh, it's definitely... Increased. Everybody's busier in the communications world right now, but it's uh, it's all for good.
4: So, when you part of your role too is um, what's beautiful is that because of its internal communications, you are also gathering information about what's happening in our parishes and in our communities and in yes. our social service agencies and things like that. You are really um, you are internally grabbing information to share with us to mm-hmm. keep to bring hope. So what are some of the things that you're seeing happening out there?
10: There is so much, and it's been great. Uh, I think the first week that we went into the stay-at-home order, which is, gosh, is that nine weeks now? Maybe I think 10, it's weeks, 10. ten weeks. ten. weeks, <laughs> yeah. That's well, right, because Friday I'll yeah. be writing the nine week weeks, up, yeah, yeah. Uh, the number ten of our, our weekly roundup. We started a weekly roundup. Um, just to give people a sense of, okay, let's summarize what happened this week in terms of any new guidelines, any new rules, any new changes, a look ahead, but then also let's start featuring some stories and examples of hope and joy around the archdiocese from our parishes and our schools. And right off the bat, uh, we had communities in the archdiocese that wasted no small amount of time to rally their troops and then start inspiring witness by reaching out to people. It could have been... Uh, assembling volunteers to call everybody on the, the parish registry to find out how they're doing, what do they need, what social services can they connect them to, um, can they just listen, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. pastors marshalling their, their parishioner volunteers to do that. There were some uh, parishes that were really leaning in on the youth to do that. So the youth were involved in picking up the phone and calling uh, you know, fellow parishioners And that just created a wonderful sense of community for those Mm -hmm. parishes, which has helped sustain them as a community through this pandemic. There's been concern by a lot of different faith communities that without the regular touchpoint of coming together physically, you know, for Mass or for service, Mm -hmm. then there'd be a little bit of that breaking away from the community. But those parishes, those pastors that have really kind of leaned into phone outreach, online outreach from the beginning... They're staying strong, and, and it's been very inspiring.
4: Yeah, we're seeing that, and we're also seeing um, the generosity of, um, of donors who or parishioners who are continuing to send in. At first, it was hard because nobody actually knew how to get money to the parish if they didn't have online giving. But we created an online giving portal, um, and then people started sending checks in. So it's actually been able to help sustain some of the communities.
10: Yeah, it's been important. Um, you know, so many of our parish communities, they do rely on the regular weekly offertory right. of parishioners. And when we don't have masses and we don't have liturgies, and people are at home, um, you know, many people aren't familiar with, or comfortable with, or even know how to donate online. Mm-hmm. So our stewardship and development team did create a universal offertory platform, so that parishes that don't have e-giving can have e-giving yep. during this time. And it's been great. That's awesome. parishioners have really stepped up, again, because it's that sense of community. We're in this together.
4: Right. And we also saw, Mike, um, just that some people um, gave beyond so that it could go to other communities as well. Exactly. Um, and we really saw that.
1: After that conversation, the topic shifted to a call to prayer, a ministry for those who would like to pray with someone during this time. Here's a highlight.
4: I have with me... Kathy Walls. And Kathy works as a part of the Renew My Church team, and she is in charge of accompaniment um, for the Archdiocese. And Kathy, so you're the director of pastoral accompaniment. Is that right? That's right. Good morning, (laughs) guys. Good morning. It's funny when you work with people, you don't always know their titles. So um, I just know she's the accompaniment person. So good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So we were just happy to be with you. Thanks. So we were just talking with Mike McKenzie about all of the amazing things happening in the Archdiocese. um, uh, the parish level, all of the different ways that the parishes have been really sort of leaning into this moment, reaching out to their communities and and um, sort of launching opportunities for people to engage and and to you know reach out to people beyond just their own territories, as it were. Um, and so now we're shifting gears a little bit. I want to talk to Kathy about a couple projects she's been working on that are more centralized at the archdiocesan level. So we have she has two projects: um, a call to prayer. And online grief, uh, sorry about that, online grief groups. That's kind of hard to say, Kathy. It Um, is. (laughs) So how about we just start with a call to prayer? Can you share with our listeners what that is and how they could engage with it? Sure.
5: Over the last month or so, we have prepared an opportunity for people from 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. to have someone listen to what they may be experiencing, whether it's a joy or a sorrow or a struggle, and pray with them simply by calling the phone number for a call to prayer. And that number is 312-741-3388. And when a person calls that number, we have an option for them to speak with and pray with someone in either English, Spanish, or Polish It's just a one-on-one opportunity for people who are feeling that lack of ability to be connected as faithful people in church to have someone from our church community be with them and pray with them.
4: So what, why do you think this is, um, why is this worth the effort to put together? Why is this an important thing right now? Well,
5: we know that there are a lot of people who do not have access to computers, mm-hmm. aren't on aren't on Zoom meetings, aren't connecting with a lot of other people. And we have a lot of people who are living pretty isolated right now. Mm-hmm. Even even families in the same household are feeling isolated from others. Parents are feeling stressed by being a parent, an employee and a homeschool teacher. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of reasons, people are just feeling like, I've never lived like this before, because we haven't. Mm-hmm. And just an opportunity to have someone listen to what you're experiencing and pray with you can bring just a sense of peace and calming.
4: So this is not counseling. It is not a place for that. It's a place where someone who is trained can actually pray for whatever's going on in your life, Right. Right. But the people that answer the Mm phone do
5: two things. They listen and they pray. Excellent. They are not professional counselors. They don't attempt to give advice. They Mm -hmm. don't attempt to do counseling. They do refer people to those kinds of services. If somebody calls and prays and says, I just feel like I need something more, we have referrals to them.
4: Oh, that's excellent. That's wonderful. And so who are these prayer warriors out there? You know, many of them are people who have been ministers
5: of care in our parishes, and so their ministry would have been to visit with people who are homebound and can't come to church to receive the Eucharist. They may be people in nursing homes or hospitals, and so they're very accustomed to being with people who pray. Others are parishioners who have been involved in parish ministries or perhaps are a deacon or a deacon's wife and... They have the desire to minister to others in some way when we can't be physically together.
4: That's wonderful. And Mm -hmm. so it's available in Spanish, Polish, and English, and you just dial that one central number. And it'll ask you to press the button for the language of your choice. That's wonderful. So again, Mm -hmm. it's 312-741-3388. And where could they find that online if they wanted to look that up after the show?
5: they can find that on the archdiocesan website there's also um uh an email address pray with me at called to org, and people can leave prayer intentions there people oh, can also okay. call after hours and leave a prayer intention and whoever picks up that line that team of people will pray for the intentions left by someone
4: oh that's wonderful that
5: that's that kind of meets the need for those who like to stop at the back of church and write a prayer intention in the book at the back of church mm. and know that the community would be praying for them. Right. And they're missing missing—they're missing the, the, the opportunity to ask for their Catholic community to pray for their personal intentions. Mm-hmm. So this is one way they can do that. Oh, that's wonderful.
4: So they can either call in directly or they can leave a message or send an email so that somebody can be praying on their behalf. That's perfect. Wonderful. That's great. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for how have you heard anything from the folks that are praying with people about the experience on their end? We've heard two things. One, people are so incredibly grateful hmm. when they call in. That's great. And
5: they're just so happy to have someone pray with them. We have some people that have become what we'd call frequent callers.
8: That's great. They just
5: they appreciate the peace.
8: That's wonderful. So that's a
5: beautiful thing. Yeah. The other thing that I would like to stress is that we have had such a wonderful response to this ministry and have so many people trained. There are often four and five people on a shift ready to pray with people, and we are equipped to handle many, many more calls than we're receiving. That's wonderful. So don't feel that you'll be sitting on hold waiting for someone to pray with you. We've got people ready and waiting to pray with you.
4: That's great. And I mean, the other w- side of it is just give them a call because th- they want to pray with you. They don't want to just sit there. Right? <laughs> That's ab- absolutely right. We've had a couple of people that said, I just think that I heard this is such a great ministry. I'm just going to
5: call and thank them for doing that. And I'm going to pray That's that great. more people recognize how important it is that we pray for one another. So they've received a few phone calls like that.
1: To hear that entire program, visit our website, ArchChicago.org, and click on the Radio TV stamp. Our final segment today comes from the Mission Matters Show hosted by Megan Mio. This week Megan spoke with Father Pius Kokose. Let's take a listen.
11: So I am pleased to have with me on the phone this morning Father Pius Kokose, who is pastor of St. Stanislaus, Bishop and Martyr in Posen. Father Pius is originally from Ghana. He served as a Spiritan missionary for 10 years in Paraguay and now is a diocesan priest and has served here in the Archdiocese of Chicago for the last 10 years. So, Father Pius, good morning, and thank you for joining us today.
12: Uh, good morning, uh, Megan. It's a pleasure to invite me again yeah. in order to join you in this uh, noble program.
11: Yes, that's right. I, we had you on, uh, I don't know, maybe two years ago
12: on this exactly. show before?
11: Yep. Yes, and I know uh, I, I reviewed my notes from that program, and you had a radio show of your own when you were in Paraguay, right?
12: Exactly, I was. Uh, we in the parish we had a, we have a radio mm-hmm. uh, called Corazón del Norte, which uh, belongs to the parish. Mm-hmm. So every morning I will have a, a thirty minutes uh, program mm-hmm. uh, based on the. Uh, the religious matters of the parish and also of the church. Mm-hmm. Actually, I touch on uh, doctrine of the church.
11: Nice catechism. It's a way yeah, of exactly. Teaching. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that' great to have know somebody who has some experience with this. It's yeah. a little different when you're on the radio, though, too, because there's so much um, communication that we do, you know, unspoken. So it's exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try to give you cues when we're running out of time. Yes. So, but now uh, for this morning. Uh, in addition to you serving as pastor, as I already mentioned, um, yes. you're also a part-time chaplain at the University of Chicago Hospital. Yes. Uh, so y- you've had this cross-cultural experience, and you're currently you know, experiencing uh, multiple cultures even here in Chicago, yes. as well as experience as a chaplain. So we knew that you had some valuable experience of pastoral care. Yes. And we know that you're continuing to serve as a chaplain during this time, during the yes. pandemic. Yes. So we were hoping that you could share with us some, just a little update from your own experience of, of what it's like at the hospital right now. And then yes. give us a few pointers um, from your experience of pastoral care um, yes. so that then our listeners can also think about how they also can provide pastoral care during yes. this time. So, um, you know, starting us off, you're at the University of Chicago Hospital. What are you seeing? How, how's the staff doing?
12: Yes, as you said, uh, I I go to the University of uh, Chicago at Illinois Hospital Mm -hmm. on Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, Mm -hmm. and Fridays. And when I go, I do four hours each, you know, in terms of visiting uh, specifically our Catholic patients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there they call me actually sacramental priest. (laughs) So I go and offer the sacraments of confession, Holy Communion, an anointing and also some counseling for patients Mm -hmm. and patient families who may be in need of counseling. Mm -hmm. So really at the hospital at the moment, uh, as you know, in terms of this uh, environment of Mm COVID-19, we have also a lot of uh, COVID-19 patients in the UIC hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of patients there. But actually, as a sacramental priest, because of some regulations Mm -hmm. that the hospital has put for chaplains, we don't go to the room directly. Yeah, Yeah. we only uh, meet with, especially uh, with the patient families, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk to them most especially on the phone in order to listen to them, to give them also. A kind of consolation motivation and all that that's what we do and also at the hospital itself we pray at the door i pray at the door mm-hmm. uh, now the nurses also are doing fantastic job there in the hospital mm-hmm. and most of them uh, have noticed they are stressed out also mm-hmm. but uh, you notice that they are really working with their whole heart Some are also Catholics, as you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a lot of uh, Filipinos uh, who are uh, nurses at UIC hospital. Mm -hmm. Some are also Polish, some are also Irish. Mm -hmm. So among this group, I have a lot of uh, Catholics who are uh, nurses working there. So to some of these uh, nurses, uh, they ask for confessions, mm. so I'm always also available to listen to their confessions. Okay. You'll notice also that some of them, they are stressed out, you know. Okay. They have also fear because uh, these are people who have families back at home. Okay. Uh, they have children, they have husbands, mm. and some of them, their fear is that they can carry this uh, uh, virus back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to infect their, 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 their relatives. The ones, yeah. So you see that type of uh, 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 preoccupation on their mind, mm-hmm. uh, anxiety mm-hmm. in their mind, also in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the things actually uh, we are dealing with in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And also at the moment, they are not permitting visit of uh, relatives to the hospital so most of the patients also who are there, yeah. they are kind of depressed, you know, right. because of lack of visit of their relatives to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are very sad. Mm-hmm. So in a way, actually the patients, apart from the COVID patients, even the patients who are not sick by COVID, they cannot also receive visitors. Oh. And okay. so yeah. we as uh, uh, chaplains, we are more or less now, their, their relatives. Yeah. So those who are not sick by COVID, mm-hmm. we go to their rooms in order to chat with them, to talk with them, to mm-hmm. listen to them. Mm-hmm. As you know, in the hospital setup, uh, you you listen more than you talk, you mm-hmm. know. Right. So that is what we do for them to know that, well, the, there is somebody beside them, there is somebody who mm-hmm. cares for them, mm-hmm. who is ready to listen to them, who is ready to also console them to to understand them and to be with them, yeah. so that's what we are actually doing at the hospital, and that's what I'm seeing uh, at the moment uh, at the hospital.
11: Well, I, I will say, just speaking about chaplaincy in particular, um, this concept of the presence um, right now is so important um, that you know the, the watchword these days is isolation. You know that we're all trying to stay away from each other, and that that there's something that kind of it affects us after a while um and especially if somebody is ill um whether it's with the virus or with something else or some other you know recovery in the hospital to be yes. alone like that during that time of yes. convalescence is, yes it's like you said it sort of it can lead to depression or it can lead to just low spirits um exactly and so there's something really important about that concept yes. of presence um, yes yes that that you're offering as the chaplain, even though yes. you're, you're only able to be there certain hours. Um, I know that's yes. probably hard to try and mm-hmm. pay attention to each person um, yes. with limited time. Yes. Um, so you're actually able to go in and be in the room with patients that don't have the virus, but you're not able, to, of course, to go into the room with the, the patients who uh, have
12: Exactly, yeah, because the hospital uh, has put that uh, rule there also uh, in a way to sure. protect us, you know? Yeah. So it's only designated uh, uh, nurses who mm. are supposed to care for those particular patients because they have received the proper training yeah. and also they have the proper PPE uh, equipment
11: uh, for them uh-huh. equipment.
12: personal protection uh, equipment yeah. because as you know over the whole world uh, those equipment are in in, in short uh, demand mm-hmm. therefore yeah. uh, the limit those uh, only those nurses can go in uh, with those protective uh, garment and care for those patients yeah. so at times what i do especially Uh, Most of the patients are also intubated, you know, Mm -hmm. or they are on ventilators. Mm -hmm. So some of them cannot receive communion and all that. But those who can receive communion, the the nurses who are Catholics, okay, Mm -hmm. who are faithful people, Mm -hmm. if those type of patients need Holy Communion, Mm -hmm. then I give them the Holy Communion to be given to them.
11: Wow. Oh, see, yeah, that's, so that's, that's very I, symbolic, too, yes, though.
12: that's what I do. Uh,
11: that the nurses are assisting in the sacrament I, like that.
12: Yeah, because, as I said, uh, uh, some of the nurses are Catholics,
9: mm-hmm. and
12: therefore, in terms of those situations, well, you have to adapt the situation so that it can fit the needs of the patient. Yeah. And we must remember that as chaplains, we are only there especially for the comfort and the need of the patient.
11: Right, right, right. Well, that that also makes me think about missions too, though, in as much as you have to adapt, um, that the situation on the ground, you know, sometimes you don't have the supplies you normally would like to have um, for for mass or for whatever the case, for any uh, prayer or service, um, that you you adapt in the missions. And so um, I can certainly make a connection there in this situation that Um, The communion is something that's so healing and so important for these patients to have the the hope and the promise uh, that God is with them during this time of suffering and that that they will be healed. Um, So you adapt, you know, you make it work. And these nurses are are part of their their ministers as well.
1: uh, Uh, Exactly. Yeah.
12: Yeah.
11: Ministers of presence and of sacraments.
12: Yes.
1: Um,
11: That's a beautiful thing.
1: Here's a reminder that you can attend Mass online by visiting our website archchicago.org. We have daily masses from St. James Chapel at the Quigley Center, and Sunday masses in English, Spanish, and Polish from Holy Name Cathedral. That's archchicago.org. The masses are also the masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash/CatholicChicago. Our thanks to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9:30 in the morning to Univision for televising our Spanish-language Mass at 10 a.m., and PoleVision for televising our Polish-language Mass on Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thank you for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio 950 and 930 a.m. I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Join us every Saturday
0: morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review, you can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, artschicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.